If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today's chat on Horse Chat is, again, another guest who's um, very informative. She's been on a couple of times before on number 376 and 501, and it's Dr Raquel Butler. Now, Raquel was working in a mixed veterinary practice, and she became very aware that more often that the underlying cause wasn't being treated, the cause was being treated, but not the underlying cause. So we're going to talk to her a bit more today about the underlying causes. And she's going to talk about 10 questions to ask when your horse is behaving badly. So what may not need, you know, bigger spurs or a stronger bit, she's going to talk to us about that. How are you today, Raquel? Yeah, good. Thanks, Glynis. How are you? Good. Raquel, I'm very interested in talking to this because, you know, as a coach and a trainer, we often, we want to know that, you know, it's not just, you know, if you're training someone, training their horse, and there's something there that is just not responding to the way that you would normally train. We want to know, you know, we want to know a little bit deeper what's causing that problem. If it's not a training problem, what else could it be? But I think you've got here 10 questions to ask when your horse is behaving badly. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about how these particular topics come about? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just what you've discussed there about as trainers and trying to, you know, figure out training ways to deal with a horse that's behaving badly. And I guess one of the things that I've seen is that a lot of people uh, often go to their trainer or their instructor first when their horse is being difficult and try to find that answer from that perspective but probably 10 times out of 10 or you know there are the cases so maybe nine times out of 10 there is an underlying reason that's not related to the training Mm -hmm. and you can unmask a lot of things by like a really good trainer can mask a lot of things or um, convince the horse to behave otherwise but not getting to the underlying cause of the problem is really a detriment to yourself and your horse you know, for the future. Yes, and that masking works short term. But I think any good trainer or any good coach is going to say to their student, there's something else going on. You know, I can help you a bit here, but there's something else going on. You need to get a professional. Yeah, I hope I hope so. But there's a lot of a lot of trainers who don't know how to recognise that, that themselves either okay. because it yep. depends on what their background sure. is too. And if they've only come from that training background, then sometimes they don't know kind of the other ways um, Mm -hmm. or the other underlying things that could be the reasons. All right. Well, hopefully this is a bit of education, not just for people and their horses, but also for coaches and trainers to say, oh, maybe, maybe that horse that I'm working with at the moment, maybe that there's something more going on. Yeah. 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 All right. So the first thing, the first question you're going to ask is what has changed? Yeah. So, it's a question to ask yourself, you know, especially if this is not normal behaviour for your horse mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, it started to behave differently and that can be in a in a whole range of, of ways, so whether it's under saddle or in hand or even in the paddock. But 
yeah, like, is there anything that's been changed recently? And a lot of times people can't remember initially, so, you know, they'll come back to me later and say, oh, actually, I forgot that I, you know, did this last week. So having a think about, well, when, you know, when did I worm the horse? Um, Have I changed anything in their diet recently? And I'm talking, you know, in the last month. Um, has it been really hot? Like I've noticed a change in my horse's behaviour lately with uh, the the temperatures being well over 40 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have other horses been introduced to the property or have I changed the herd dynamics? Um, have I changed my instructor or, uh, you know, have I changed what I'm doing in my work? Um, so I'm asking a bit more or I'm doing something slightly differently. So there's a lot of things that, can have changed and some of them you think oh well that's not significant or that you know it's not related but often it is related all right now the next thing and this is something that i think may not get recognized as much but but you're talking about maybe the horses got ulcers if they had ulcers what sort of yep. things would they be showing you know like it's all right to say your horse has got ulcers but what's the symptoms there what would they be doing differently yeah, so I've seen a lot of different kind of behaviours that relate to horses with ulcers um, and it's a really common one, especially from a bodywork perspective when I treat a horse and I'm not getting the responses that I want in terms of improvement, um, that then I have certain body points that I can check to see if they're reactive for ulcers or um, and that can be confirmed with, or stomach ulcers can be confirmed with um Scoping, but hindgut ulcers are often hidden and they're not easily diagnosed um, and they're quite a lot more common than we think. So things like they've become girthy or, or they are girthy in general, they shouldn't be girthy at all. Um, they seem sensitive everywhere. So, you know, you can kind of touch them and they just seem to be reactive and overly sensitive. Um, I've had a horse recently that became reactive in their flank area and and was bucking when girthed um and then I've had another one that had had lameness issues but the you know everything was going well in the body but they were still reactive in certain points and we've treated the hind gut and those those points have become less reactive so they can look fine as well like they can look fat and shiny and you know apparently healthy and still have ulcers their gut is so easily um upset by travel and competitions and, you know, more than six hours off food, they're really predisposed to ulcers too. All right, now another one. We've had, you know, she's on a few times, you know, to talk about the importance of saddle fitting. Yeah. But would you like to talk a little bit about saddle fitting and also too, just because the saddle was fitted 12 months ago, is it still going to be, you know, a good saddle for that horse? Yeah. The question is to ask how long ago did I have my saddle fitted and, yeah, who was that saddle fitter? So obviously, Bill Kenschlees and, um, you know, there's a few others who are extremely well qualified in this areas and then and many who aren't as qualified or have different opinions to others. So have they been fitted in the past three to six months? Has the horse changed shape? So is the back a lot differently now because you've been doing different work or maybe haven't ridden for six weeks. Um, You know, does the horse react when you bring your saddle out? So do they walk away? Do they put their ears back? Um, Do they try and bite you? Um, Is the sweat patch under your saddle even? 
or is your saddle starting to move around? So, yeah, that certainly is a big area of contention and I have seen saddles been fitted by a saddle fitter and the horse is still telling me my saddle is not, I'm not comfortable with it and then I have a look and they've got a, you know, a certain pressure point. So even if your saddle has been fitted, if it doesn't seem right to you or your horse is not happy about it, then maybe you need to have another look at it. Get a second opinion. Mm, yeah, get another opinion. All right. Now, different behaviours go to be different things. And I know that, you know, sometimes with a fresh horse, a horse that hasn't been worked for a little bit, you might pop it in the canter and all of a sudden they think, oh, this is really good and throw in a buck or, you know, after yeah. a jump. But what if the horse has been being worked? And you're not putting it down to, well, you haven't ridden the horse for a couple of weeks and, you know, whether all of a sudden this is the first time back, but it goes on from there. What happens? You know, they buck yeah. the decanter or buck after a jump or what could that be? Yeah, well, it's going to be individual for each horse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a horse may buck after a jump for a different reasons, but often it can be related to a sore back. Um Things like if you pick up the cantilever and they disunite behind, so they don't change, yes. uh, they go on the wrong lead behind. Um, you know that can be related to sacroiliac issues. But it's also you asking the question: Well, yeah, is this behaviour related to a certain movement that I do? And yeah, I've seen horses jump who do a buck after the jump, and and you can say, oh, that's a happy buck. But I don't like to make that conclusion unless I'm 110% sure because I've heard a lot of comments oh look the tail's swishing and mm, um yes. and oh that's great because it means the spine is moving and mm-hmm. that's not the case the tail's the tail's swishing because of back pain yeah. um so yeah like is is that related to sitting trot for example and the tail swishing just happens at sitting trot and not anything else, well then you need to have a look at the back or the saddle fit or the, what the rider's doing in, in sitting trot or is it related to, um, yeah, landing on the jump? Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, it could be a front-end issue of when the, the forehand hits the ground. So, yeah, that sort of different yeah. behaviours and, and what specifically yes. when it is happening. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now... Some of them, you know, you, you've really got to listen to the horse and their behaviour, but but even things, you go to catch the horse. I mean, I love it if you can go and, you know, so horses see you and there might be a group of horses, they see you at the gate and they're all, they all canter towards the gate. You know, that's a lovely mm. that's a lovely feeling. Wow, the horses, you know, they want to get caught, they want to come in. But what if you, you go to catch a horse and the horse has been easy to catch and they see you and they walk away? What could that be? Yeah. Yeah, then you need to be asking the question of, yeah, why why is that? And again, it comes back to what has changed. So, And, it, and it's recognising that this is not a normal behaviour for your horse. So in, in my opinion, every horse, if they're happy doing what you're doing with them and being ridden, they should be no problems to catch. Um, so when they're not happy about being caught, then there's generally something that's happening that they're, that's their way of communicating to you. Yeah. So... Listening to those things, listening if they don't want to be caught, listening um, if they're, you know, giving you uh, funny faces when you put the saddle on and we'll talk about a few other things that you need to listen to kind of later. But 
yeah, the question is, are you listening or do you think it's a funny behaviour and, you know, do you think it's kind of comical that they're doing that sort of thing and what is it that they seem to be moving away from? Is it you riding them or is it just you catching them in general? Yeah, yeah, so they're not not enjoying being there. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. You talked about the the, the facial expressions. Can you talk mm. a bit more about the facial expressions and what, what we should be looking for and what we should be looking for in a positive but what we should be looking for just in those very subtle signs that the horse is saying, look, there's something going on here, I'm not happy with. Yeah. So the the facial expressions that we're kind of looking for in a happy, comfortable horse um, is a soft muzzle. Um, so they don't have those like scrunched lines around their muzzle. Um, that they have a quiet mouth when you're riding them. So they're not kind of constantly playing with a bit or have or you're using uh, things to try and close their mouth because they want to open their mouth. Um, Their eye expression, so you're looking for a nice, soft, um, relaxed, bright eye. Uh, So if they've got a lot of wrinkles above or below or um, their eyes are quite dull and they don't seem to be um, connecting kind of through Mm -hmm. their eyes, yeah. Um, and their ear position. So obviously the pinned ears back is pretty obvious that they're not sure. happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're kind of one ear forward, one ear back. They're listening to you and focused and nice soft ears. But if they're constantly back and especially if you ask for a certain thing and they put them back so they're okay, but then they put them back every time you ask for a canter transition or um, a transition down to halt or or something like that, then, you know, there's a communication there that's saying, oh, I'm not that happy with this, but I'm but I'm still doing it. So, yeah, eyes, ears um, and muzzle are the, are the ones to really look at. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look horsechats.com. All right. Now, you know, we, we usually check before we ride or when we first do something with the horse, we check, pick out their feet, make sure that nothing's going on there. But what can they tell us about just picking out their feet, just picking up their legs? What can they tell us there? Yeah, so this is an interesting one because horses obviously can be trained um, to pick up their limb to have them cleaned out. And so often people don't ask them, like, can you pick up your leg? They just say, you know, give me your foot. I've got to clean it out. So actually asking your horse, you know, can you pick up your leg? So I never force a horse's leg up. Like I don't squeeze the chestnut. I don't squeeze the tendons. I don't squeeze the 
the ergot at the back of the fetlock, I actually just put my hand down and I wait um, and I see what the horse's response is. And if they're comfortable, they give me their leg. Um, if they're not comfortable, then they might not give me their leg at all and it feels like it's planted or they might move away or they might give me their leg and pick it up, but then they pick it right up and hold it like a back leg, for example, and hold it up high for a minute before they let it relax. Um, And to me, that's a a pain issue. Or they pick it up and then after, you know, 30 seconds, they have to put it down. Um, So they're the things that I'm asking, you know, to get information about their body is, yeah, will they pick up a limb without me forcing it? How do they pick up the limb? How do they put the leg down? Um, And how comfortable, you know, do they appear in that motion? And to me, every little bit of feedback that you get from that as as something you do on a daily basis is giving you a lot of information about the comfort of that horse's body and why they might be, you know, if they're really behaving difficulty for the farrier, for example, um, then you need to get it investigated rather than just, um, you know, letting some farriers then get a bit harsh with them um, and every time that I've had that problem, they've had a reason okay. for that. Yes, yes. They're very subtle, aren't they? You know, they, they yeah. tell you, but um, yeah, you've still got to understand the language. Yeah. What yeah. about just standing? What can we tell with them just standing? I mean, obviously, if a horse is resting a front leg, you know, there's a, a problem, but, but just standing, how should they, you know, how should they stand? What should we be looking for? Is there a problem about resting yeah. legs? Yeah, so knowing how your horse kind of stands normally. So just observing that on an everyday basis and, um, you know, do they do they always rest the same hind limb? Hind limb? Mm-hmm. Do yes. they rest the limb when they're not relaxed? So if a horse stops from work and it straight away rests the hind limb, that's not a normal, like they're not relaxed at that point. So that to me is not a normal behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I'm looking, well, why did they have to rest the limb straight away? Um, if they stand in awkward looking positions, so say they always have one front leg slightly out the front or their front legs look really wide apart or their back legs are really close together or one back leg's always really far forward, um, they're all signs to me of issues within the body. Um, and when you correct those, then that standing position changes. So that's how I you know, have correlated that, you know, when they stand wide in front, sometimes it's a pectoral damage or when they stand with their legs, hind leg forward, sometimes it's a stifle injury. So you want them to kind of look in a relaxed, comfortable position, able to stand square but not rigid all the time. Like they they should still rest a hind limb when they're relaxed. So there's a lot that you can, a lot of information you can get from them just standing. Mm-hmm. And again, it's being aware and watching for those very subtle signals that the horses give. Yeah, us. like really yeah. just observing things that yeah. you take for granted. Yeah. And every horse is different, of course. Yeah. yeah. Now I, I was reading a book. No, I wasn't, wasn't reading through. I was skimming it because it's quite an old book. You know, it's interesting. I think it was called something like the Ladies' Guide to Horsemanship. And, and this was only yesterday in the book they were talking about the clothing that a, a lady should wear and they shouldn't wear. They should wear skirts and not to be encouraged with the split skirts because ladies shouldn't ride astride because 
their legs are not shaped to ride either side of the horse and, um, you know, they won't be able to drive the horse forward. But then they also talked about the spur, you know, because it would only be one leg that the lady should have. And they had, you know, like examples and drawings of the spur that a nice lady who was involved in horsemanship should wear, but on a particularly dull horse. And then, you know, there was a bigger spur. So can we talk yeah. a bit about, you know, do we, if there's a problem with the horse, do we just go for bigger spurs and stronger bits or, or more equipment? Yeah. What can we do there? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's probably a bit of a, a pet hate of mine um, <laughs> is because I just think the only reason you should use Spurs um, is, or, or yeah, spurs especially is uh, for looks <laughs> because if your horse is appropriately trained and comfortable, you shouldn't require them um, at all. Uh, I can understand a whip. Sometimes you need that um, little reinforcement of your leg, but if you're having to reinforce it all the time, you, you need to go back to your training. Mm-hmm. So if all of a sudden you need to start using spurs or you're starting to use Say your left, say you notice on the left side of your horse that your spur is starting to make a mark, and that hadn't happened before, yeah. um, or you're all of a sudden needing a stronger bit on the cross country. Um, mm-hmm. They've just, you know, suddenly got a bit harder to hold, or um, you now need a noseband to close the mouth because they're opening their mouth, um, you know, and, and it's. They've had you've had comments in in your tests or something that they're opening their mouth, so you go and and put a different noseband on to keep that closed. So to me, all of those things, like if you've got to use one leg more than the other leg, then it's telling me that that horse's maybe hind leg on that same side is not able to be as active, or they're not able to flex as well through their rib cage on that side. Or you know, a, an open mouth can indicate a lot of different reasons, a lot of different restrictions. In the body, it can be hind end, it can be hyoid, it can be teeth, um, can be shoulder. Like, you know, there's there's always a reason for these things. And rather than just jumping to the next piece of equipment, then maybe ask why you need it mm-hmm. um, and, and what you could be masking by using it. All right. Now, even asking these questions, we would think, well, we need a little bit more. You know, and a coach would say that, you know, you need to get some sort of a a body worker, a qualified professional to look at your horse. But tell us a little bit about what type of people you would recommend for particular problems and how often should they the horse just be checked anyway? Yeah, I think that, yeah, um, having a, a... So in terms of the type of qualifications, like there's a, a lot of different therapies out there these days and a, and a lot of different levels of qualification I think the most important thing to start with is that the therapist is actually qualified so there's still a lot of therapists out there or or a lot of them call themselves chiropractors and they don't actually have a qualification which means they're not insured to work on your horse Mm -hmm. people who are qualified they should be able to tell you about their qualification they should be able to tell you what kind of continuing education they need to do to maintain that qualification and they should also be insured um, as part of that qualification. So some of the therapies that um, do enable you to become qualified are obviously I'm an animal biomechanical medicine Mm -hmm. vet so I had to do my vet degree, two years of working as a vet and then another two years of the graduate diploma to get that qualification and that enables me to practice osteo 
Cairo and um, and do rehab. Um, there's people qualified in the Masterson method. There's people qualified in uh, muscle release therapy. Um, there's people qualified in massage. Um, there's biokinetic therapy. Like there's a whole lot, but the most important thing is that they've done the whole course yep. to the point of completion, not just you know. Um, one level and then they're coming out and treating your horse. Mm-hmm. The other part of that is that the way you can kind of tell a qualified professional is that they'll never say there's nothing wrong with your horse because so far I haven't seen horse as nothing wrong with it. Like every person, we all have yes. our, we've all had our falls and often they're ridden and they have all the things that we do to them. So I've never seen a horse that I say there's nothing wrong. I can say everything's well managed. Um, you know, we're going really well and I'll see you in six to eight weeks. Um, but, yeah, I had a lot of clients that were on like a, yeah, six to eight week rotation. But then I had some like oldies with a lot of issues on a two-week rotation. So how, however often that is really depends on what you're doing with your horse in the meantime. Is your saddle fitted? How do you ride? How, how do you, you know, who's your instructor and how does your horse go with that? how they're shod, what their hoof balance is, what their dentistry um, therapist is. Um, You know, all of those things are going to dictate how often your horse requires a body worker. But I do think that's a really important kind of part of their maintenance. Um, And if you still feel that your horse is not right, then don't give up. Like, get another opinion and another opinion and keep asking questions until, you, you know, the nail kind of hit the nail on the head and you go, yeah, that's, that makes sense. Um, that fits me and my horse. And, you know, that you see that you've got an improvement in that behaviour. Don't let someone just say, no, it's just your horse, you know, it's just you. Um, because I've heard that so many times. And then I come along and I say, no, actually, it's this. And they're like, oh, I've been searching for years <laughs> and, you know, no one could tell me and that makes complete sense and you know then we formulate a plan from there you know i mean every time you come on it's very informative but the knowledge that you have and um you know the time you take to tell us i think that you know horse owners but coaches you know everyone's going to benefit here now if Mm. people do have questions they'd like to ask you anything in particular or even something that they'd like you to come on and talk about um, another another time they can do that on your page which would be horsechats.com you can go horsechats.com slash Raquel Butler but mm-hmm. um, I think if they've got particular questions particular problems what's the best way to contact you? Um, so yeah I'm at CSU so rbutler@csu.edu.au, at um, and I teach equine science there in Wagga. Okay, and I'll also we'll put those on the page as well. So it'll be, I think we're up to, to three. So it'll be horsechats.com slash Raquel Butler three, or even if you just go to even if you just go in and um, search for Raquel, search for Butler, you'll find those details and at the bottom of each of her pages there'll be her contact. So I think that's probably the best way to go. That's brilliant. You know, as always, lots of information. So thank you very much for your time and look forward to chatting with you some more. Yeah, thanks a lot, Glenna. See ya. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. 
If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.